Welcome to Sales Cultures Redefined, where we transform people with purpose, income, and a better life. Here's your host, CEO of Sales Managed Solutions, Lance Cooper. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Jan Spence, who is the president of Jan Spence and Associates in Jacksonville, Florida. And I don't really know where to start with Jan. She has such an eclectic background, having done things that other people wouldn't think of necessarily doing, like being on a professional football team, for one. But I'm excited about her because for Sales Cultures Redefined, she's got some insight in what sales managers are experiencing today. And she's got some solutions. So we're going to listen to those. I also want to mention her book on, on cheer leadership. It is just awesome. 52 great tips on how to increase employee engagement. And as I read through that book yesterday, uh, I was just impacted personally, not only by what I might do in business, but what I could get better at doing at home and other places. Uh, so she, her, what she teaches seems to stretch out across not only business, but also in our personal lives, which I guess it should if it's universal. So Jan, glad you're here. And I guess I want you to start with um, where did you go right out of school and how did you, what did you do next and how did you get in sales and sales training? So great. And thank you for having me, Lance. It's a pleasure I, to be here. So yeah. out of school, I would graduate with a business administration degree from Mercy University in Macon, Georgia. And I went into marketing right after that. I had a marketing emphasis with my studies. And after about two years of being in a cubicle, uh, being told what to do and not use all of those <laughs> wonderful critical thinking skills that I had learned in college, I was um, a bit dismayed. So I put everything in storage, took what I had in savings, and I went to go sow my oats across the country. So I hopped in the car and uh, sofa surfed a little with uh, family and friends. I called it the mooch tour there for about three months. Ended up in Colorado, just having a good time. I did some sales out there and then came back and said, okay, it's time to grow up now. Let's get back into the, get back into sales and get back into the real world. So like my sales career actually started a long time before that, but yeah, that's what, that's kind of my path with, uh, with college and what I did after school. So what kind of a uh, sales experience did you have? Just what kinds of things did you do? So what kind of sales experience did I have? Yeah. So it actually started when I was 10 years old. <laughs> so I was uh, selling donuts for my church camp. So, of course, my mom, she, she wrote down on a legal paper all the rich people in the church that I should call to go deliver Krispy Kreme donuts to their door on that Saturday. And so I sat there at the kitchen table, you know, pulled that long cord of that old phone over and started <laughs> dialing. And it was yeah. high. I'm selling donuts and uh, would you like to buy a box? So after a couple of a yes, no, my mom came in and she said, Jan, why don't you try something different? Instead of asking them if they would like to buy a box, why don't you ask them how many boxes they would like? And so at that moment, I started changing what I was, how I was asking and what, what my approach was. And it was like a Jedi mind trick. Before it was one box, two boxes, four boxes, no thanks. <laughs> so I felt the most powerful at 10 years of age that I could change the way that I asked the question and it could change another person's response. I think that's where I got the bug. Was, was that early in life? And so uh, it would sell vacuum cleaners door to door and national accounts like Walmart, uh, Pillsbury, Frito-Lay. So that's a little bit about my journey, but I was hooked at a very young age. 
So, so how, how did Jan Smith and Associates begin? I know it didn't have a, a stellar beginning that you were very discouraged and, and then one person spoke some words of encouragement to you. So talk about that a little bit. Sure, sure. In, in 2003, we opened up the business to actually we purchased a franchise, which was a service business, which is all sales. I think that's a big uh, mistake that people make is they think when they buy a business that they're not going to have to sell. But you absolutely everybody is in sales. So this topic <laughs> is one that will never go away. So uh, after we sold that business in four years of a five-year plan, and that's part of my journey is because what I teach are the things that I did to be successful with the business. And then um, I decided I did a few years consulting with people who had the franchise, and then I decided to hang my shingle as a professional speaker. Well, there's only one problem with that. You just don't wake up one morning and go, I'm a professional speaker. (laughs) So I ended up... um, just really doing a lot of networking, doing a lot of the things that it takes to build a business. And after about a year of that, um, I wasn't hardly making anything. It was hard to get hired because I had no video of me actually keynote speaking. And uh, I got my first little speaking gig. And it was to a local chapter right here in my hometown, Jacksonville, Florida. And a friend actually drove from the Carolinas to come see me and support me. And he took me to dinner that night, and I was just in tears. And I said, you know what? My husband has just suggested that maybe I should go get a part-time job. He's just not sure this is the right path. And he spoke those words of power into my life and just said, Jan, you've got a gift. You can't give up. I'm going to help you. I'm going to encourage you. You can't give up on this dream. And so just having someone look me in the eye and say, I believe in you. You can do this was just that little spark that I needed. It just changed my mindset so that I could really get to work on making it happen. And then it's grown ever since. You know, when I read your book, I see um, that you focus on encouragement. And in this world of low optimism and low employee engagement and all these middle managers uh, who are affecting the experience of employees, that idea of encouragement and all the ways you can do that is so important today. But I know you've also been working with sales teams, with Goodman and other companies. So tell me, when when I look at what uh, that you've written, uh, I understand there's two major areas that you've focused on, one of which is prospecting. I heard that in your early beginnings with Krispy Kreme, but also um, the sales process itself. So can you tell me what you see in today's world of post-COVID, all the challenges that you're seeing out there and sales managers around those two areas? You know, I really think, I think that's a great question to ask. And I think that's something that sales leaders and business owners should be asking themselves. Because with the pandemic, people who were used to getting out and doing a lot of face-to-face selling, mm-hmm. um, they all of a sudden were stuck at home. Many of them had not picked up that 2,000-pound telephone in a long time to reach out to customers or prospects. Yeah. So we saw, um, we all dealt with it in different ways. And for some people, it was a lot harder to be cooped up in their home and working from home if they have the personality style that really needs that social interaction. So um, what I've seen and what I hear from the leaders that I work with is that they feel like their salespeople have actually gotten a little bit lazy. So that's kind of a hard thing to say, but they just felt like they've slipped into some habits, relying on email way too much. Instead of picking up the telephone, making a personal connection, setting up a virtual call, you know, such as Zoom and Teams and all of the 
uh, opportunities that we have out there now to actually see somebody, pick up on that body language, look them eye to eye, mm. or to get back in the field and go visit people. So mm. there's been a certain um, just they're they're seeing them just get, they, they haven't gotten back into their good habits that they got into during COVID. Yeah. When you get out in front of them and, and you're out in front of the leaders or you're talking to the leaders on the sideline, what is the message that you're either giving the salespeople or the leaders? Because, you know, there's probably a lot of skepticism that, uh, you know, can I, the optimism being lower and so forth. And you're very bubbly and you have such an infectious personality. What do you say? What are the words that you use? Well, how do you get people engaged again with prospecting face to face? So I think the thing that we really have to get to is they have to get to their why. They have to get to what's really important yeah. to them. So if they've lost sight of that, or quite frankly, Lance, this probably doesn't surprise you, but a lot of people don't even know why they're doing it. It's a paycheck. And so I really encourage the salespeople as well as the sales leaders to know what that why is. Money is a tool. What can that tool do for them? And what is something that's greater than themselves? So there has to be some, it's not just about a new boat or a vacation home. Those things are wonderful rewards and wonderful things to enjoy on this planet. But there has to be something that's a little bit greater that will help them get out of their own way, push through the difficult things, go making those cold calls or those prospecting calls like they used to, to really do the behaviors that it's going to take for them to reach and exceed their goals. So that was really my message is why are you really doing this? Why is this important? Because sales leaders a lot of times don't know. They go, well, everybody just wants to make more money. What does money mean? And so leaders really having that conversation and helping their people walk through, why are you doing this? What, what do you want to accomplish on this earth um, that's a legacy for you? And when we start with that conversation, then the rest of the building blocks will fall into place. So legacy, that's, that's an interesting thought, uh, a purposeful uh, work day. But then also the trips and so forth don't really say a lot about an ambition to make life better with the money that I'm using and change things out into the future. And so I found that ambition has dropped in people out there and they really don't understand, as you say, why they're doing things. So what, what is the typical message and, and that you give them and, and what kind of exercise do you do to get them thinking about those things and become more purposeful about what they're doing? In one of my modules, we really talk about goal setting. And so it starts with their core values. Yeah. And so we look at their core values. Most people would say they kind of know what they are, but they've maybe never written them down. So we actually walk through them identifying five personal core values and five professional core values. And then we examine what does your day look like? What does your week look like? Is your lifestyle really matching up to what you say is important to you? Because everybody would say, oh, well, health is important. But if you haven't seen the gym or run a mile, I haven't run a mile forever. But <laughs> if you haven't seen the gym in a while, then maybe it's not matching up. People always put family, a good family environment. But if you are working 100 hours a week or uh, it's the position that you're in doesn't allow you to spend time with family, then we've got that incongruency. So really beginning to look at what's really, really important. What are your core values? What does that mean long term? for you, for your legacy, what you want to leave behind, and then what does your day-to-day -day look like, and how can we match those two up together? Yeah, and without that, do you find people just caught up in the worries of today and the problems 
that are going on around them or in activities that really don't have anything to do with moving ahead toward that vision they don't see. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's say, let's say that you uh, can get that spark ignited and you can teach leaders to do that. Bring us now to the sales process and the problems you see with the sales process that people are following. So I think it starts with accountability from the management. So are there measurements in place? Some organizations do this really, really well, and there are very measurable steps. They they know exactly what their activity is. They're reporting that. They're having regular discussions with their sales manager, their leader, to see where they're on track. When you have those kinds of conversations, you can begin, I imagine, a big machine, and it starts with initial contacts, and then that rolls over to maybe an appointment, and that turns into a proposal or a quote or a demonstration or whatever it might be for that individual company. Um, Some have longer machines, longer processes. Mm -hmm. Some are very short. So it just depends on what uh, selling environment they're in. But as we begin to look at that, that manager, that leader can say, you know what, you're great getting on the phone. You're great getting the appointment. But where I see the process falling apart is all of a sudden we lose them. They ghost you after an estimate is given. Or um, we didn't have the right people in the room that we were talking to. You were talking to the wrong person who couldn't sign the check anyway. So (laughs) you can begin as a sales leader to identify what kind of training, what kind of focus and work do I need to do with this particular individual to start oiling that machine so that it's running on all cylinders. No, so you're saying, so what what happens when there's an absent sales process? When, When there's really not a clearly defined process, what's the problem with that? That's one of my favorite questions to ask leaders is, what is your what is your sales process? And you kind of see the blank stare. They're like, well, uh, we try to find some people that aren't buying from us. And then we try to get them on the phone and we try to sell them something. I'm like, okay, good, you know, good in theory, but what is the actual process? So uh, in my teaching, we go through, I have the ARC, the ASK, and the ACT uh, modality. So they are getting in their setting agenda, clarifying the time. Uh, making sure that whoever's in the room understands what the purpose is and what their part is, what they're bringing to the table, and what the salesperson's role is, what they're bringing to the table. And then good reflective listening skills. Um, Side note, this will be my public service announcement for the day, but so many salespeople are just out there talking too much. They are wanting to tell and telling is not selling. Yeah. And so they're wanting, they, they're excited, but all of a sudden the jazz hands come out and they want to solve problems and they haven't paused to actually ask the right good questions. And then when they do that, they dig deeper, they build that relationship with the prospect and the customer. Then after you've got that information, then you can present. You can pull out your jazz hands and have fun presenting, but I find people do that far too often. What's been the results from actually getting a sales process in place in an organization? What have you seen? What are, what are some stories that you might share with us? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I see is giving them a common language. Oh, so yeah. before it, this, a sales conversation, and I might be stepping on some toes in your listeners' audience here today, but often the question will be, so how did the opponent go with XYZ company? And I'll say, good, good. I feel really good about it. And we showed them the demo. The pricing looks in line. And, and they're going to let me know. <laughs> <laughs> and then that conversation said, whatever happened with a XYZ company? And it's just kind of in limbo. But now that sales leader has a common language that they can say, where exactly are you in the process? Are you still in that discovery stage of asking questions? 
Mm-hmm. Did you find at the first appointment that you didn't have the right people in the room and all of a sudden there's a, a hidden buyer or an influencer that needs to be part of the conversation, so you've had to get, take it back a few steps. So now they can look at it and have more effective conversations as they're beginning to coach and mentor their salespeople because they've got a common logo. And so by that, it makes coaching meetings much shorter. Um, it cuts to the chase, and that leader knows exactly where they are in the process. Well, I can expect sales would increase and people's confidence would go up and the leaders would know what to coach instead of pounding on the rep for results, right? Uh, Pound, 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 get more sales, but really they don't have anything to point to to help that rep get better inside a sales process. So, uh, wow, coaching and, uh, and then the rep's confidence increases. They're able to talk about where they are in the sales process in the funnel with each each um, company that they're working towards selling. Uh, wow, a lot of benefits there, a bunch of benefits. So you're out there helping people increase their prospecting um, strength by getting to the why first and, and causing people then to want to do what is the hardest thing in sales, which is prospecting. And then when they're out there prospecting, now we've got a route to run on. Step one, step two, step three with clear skills and tools in each of those steps. Is that right? Is it what I'm hearing? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, I think um, when we know what that why is, and I'll, I'll just share from our experience because that's by giving this example, some people then begin to relate to it. For my husband and me, we have a core value of good financial stewardship. So by that, I just mean being a good manager of all of our financial resources, everything from cars to the home to our education um, to obviously our finances. And so that's important for us to manage those well. And out of that core value, we set the goal to become debt-free. So the goal was to become debt-free, pay off our house, and so that we could be free to give generously for me to be able to pursue my career starting from ground zero. Um, And... Then we set the strategy of buying a business, building it up, and selling it. And so we actually had a five-year plan, and we did that in four. And I I share that with some of my audiences and groups, and I say, I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm just telling you that this is not theory. I've lived it, and if you will do what I'm sharing with you to do, it will work. So for us, we had that measurement piece. Uh, we had, so every Friday, I knew exactly how many prospects I needed to get in front of. I knew what my closing average was. And that's how we built the business, as long as I stayed on track. And it wasn't easy. I mean, there were days, even me, I didn't want to make a phone call. I did not want to go prospect. I didn't want to follow up. But, um, but because I had that driving magnetic force, I could just remember why I'm doing it. I'm like, okay, that, that's a bigger why. That's bigger than me. That's greater than me. Looking at the big picture and not just the short-term result. Jan, don't you uh, don't you see when you're out there with reps and leaders that not only the leaders but the reps don't really understand the power of this why and and to borrow why again why it's so important. Don't you I, don't you see that? Yeah, I I think that it is something that's been missing because the focus has been so much on the money and the numbers. And I had a great visual in my mind of just you know someone in front of the the salespeople in the room just jumping up and down like a gorilla going, sell more, sell more, sell more. <laughs> and you, you, all you do is send a bunch of mad salespeople out there, you know, angry, resentful, burnt out and beat up. Um, that's not the kind of mindset we want for them, but rather to give them tools that they can actually use. 
I will say I have seen a shift with managers that are beginning to manage millennials and our Gen Zs because they have a greater sense of their impact on the planet and sustainability and being a good steward of our environment. So um, there are some greater things that some of those young younger generations that are coming up are paying attention to. So it's important that the leaders tap into that and have those conversations so that they can know what's driving that individual. Is it so that they can take a month's vacation and go install water wells in a third world country? You know, what what does it mean to them? So beginning to have those conversations, it's not the, you know, we don't go and just get a job at the factory and take our pension later. It's it's a different mindset out there in the workforce. You know, um, I'm a little bit older and uh, 40 or 50 years ago, uh, when you looked at books in the library or, you know, B. Dalton, if it still exists, um, you'd see management by objective and sales managers. And today you hear the word coach and mentor. You would have never heard that 40 or 50 years ago. And these millennials and Gen Xers, Gen Zers, the early first 90 days of employment, I'm finding is super important to get to the things you're talking about, to try to really understand this person. Do you see that too? A hundred percent. And and I do some generational work with some groups. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things we look at is because it's even, I love the fact that you said that first 90 days is so critical, mm-hmm. but even before that, that onboarding process before yes. that person uh, steps in. I've got a, a few tips in my book just on that alone, mm-hmm. but helping them feel connected and having it yes. customized. Yes. Uh, and we missed that during COVID. You had people that were training um, virtually and it had no connection with their peers. There was no go grab a coffee or go grab lunch. So mm-hmm. feeling very disconnected has really disrupted the generations now that ha- that had to be trained during the time of COVID when everything was so remote. So, yes, and, and it's the sales leader's job to encourage them and pour into them and get to know them personally so that they can be that coach alongside them on the sidelines and not just that manager saying, you didn't make your numbers do better next week. It's got to be a shift. Yes, uh, social media, COVID, even the breakdown in the family over the last 30 or 40 years, the young people today are coming into a company wanting to belong to something, wanting to be a part of something wanting somebody to uh, help them understand their purpose in life. And so this idea of sitting down and working through the values that a person's really not thought through and then what they want their future to be and how they want to interact with the planet, as you say, I don't think that would have ever been in a sales manager's world or acumen several years ago. But today, today it's really important, isn't it? Absolutely. It, mm-hmm. It's got to be part of the conversation. And you're just making that personal connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I graduated from college, and I kind of referenced it earlier, is you needed two years on your resume to show that you were reliable. So I stayed in a job that I was not happy with, very miserable for two yeah. years. But that was the expectation. You didn't job hop um, from, from you know year to year um, or month to month. And now... That is not the thought process. <laughs> so if if those younger generations are feeling unloved, um, they have no problems going elsewhere. 
and especially knowing the need that's out there, they can go. There's 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 another company that's willing to welcome them with open arms. So it's oh. got to be got to be greater than a paycheck. Yeah, unloved. That's such a word to use in today's uh, business climate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very results oriented climate. I mean, what are some tips for managers that are just starting to entertain this new generation? How to lead them. What are some tips that you would give for those first few days of employment uh, that you have in your book or have in your head? Sure, sure. Well, I, one of the things I do with my team is if I'm going to bring someone on new is I send them a little fact sheet and asking them about them. It's, Tell me about you. How do you like to receive praise? Is it in front of a group or do you prefer it privately? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're familiar with the five love languages, people mm-hmm. typically communicate with uh, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, and there's always the fifth one I can't remember, so it's probably must not be on my list. <laughs> but at any rate, finding out how they like to be communicated. So I found that early on as a manager. I'm, I'm a gifts person, so I loved to give gifts, and I found out that was not the way that person felt rewarded. But uh-huh. to be praised in public, they would be. That's what they needed, or they just needed that little sticky note on their desk that said, great job handling that customer problem yesterday. So that's just a tip is to ask them what they appreciate, everything from favorite candy bar to favorite soda. And I I had a a client that um, went through hiring process with me and they actually brought them down because they were from another state. And when they got to their hotel room, they had a basket with their favorite whiskey, their favorite chips, their favorite soda. Um, I think there was even a DVD of their favorite movie. I mean, and this guy was just beaming. He was how cool. <laughs> how special, how loved do you think he felt just knowing that someone had taken the time to prepare that? And it wasn't just an email from HR that said, here's your hotel reservation. Uh, be there at 9 a.m. the next morning. So he was already feeling loved on, encouraged and appreciated before he ever put his foot through that door that first day. So taking a little extra time to get to know them ahead of time can be important. And then just to welcome them Um, with Facebook and social media out there, you can grab a picture of them and their dog. And then all of a sudden that's waiting, assuming they're coming to an office. You've got a picture of them and their dog waiting there at the office. (laughs) And that extra little thing takes a little work and a little effort, but those little things already let them know, welcome to the family. You're a part of the family. Uh, Jan, you know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing incredible customer service for the new employee. Just thinking of them as the best customer you ever want. And then what would you do to just make this incredible wow experience for them? Um, That's pretty good from a Georgia Bulldog lady. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to start talking college. We can talk NFL all day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even though I'm from the University of Tennessee, I know that you're a Georgia Bulldog. So I grew up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jan, uh, you've covered everything from prospecting to sales process to leadership tips for the early on of employment um, for the people on this uh, podcast. Um, I guess what I'd want to ask you at the end of this, if you summed it all up relative to who you are and your values and, and the thing you see that's most missing out there. And you were going to tell these people who are listening to this podcast, I mean, get out, if you're going to do anything right now, get out here and do this. What would you tell them? 
gosh, there's a couple of things that come to mind, but if I had to choose one, I would say connect with your people on a deeper level. Really connect. Get to know who they are. What are the kids' names? What what motivates them? How do they spend their free time? And why are they doing this? What's really, really important to them? And what are they looking for long term? A lot of people don't have that vision. So knowing from a manager that you care enough about that person and what their career path is and what they how you can help walk alongside them to coach them to achieve those goals that are greater than they are, then that's going to have a loyal employee. That's going to have someone that um, will, what do they say, step in front of the train for you. <laughs> that they are, they know that you've got their back. And so, by being that intentional, that's what that deep connection is. What builds that loyalty, and that, so that they're willing to hear and receive the correction and the coaching as it comes. And I've worked managers that I've worked with that do this and do this well. They have got people that stay with them through thick and thin that would just, um, I hate to use this term, but if nothing else is coming, they would take a bullet for them because mm. they were so intentional mm. about getting to know them on a personal level, having their back, and knowing that they wanted, that manager wanted the best thing for their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jan, uh, thank you. And I, I've had the privilege of watching you speak in front of uh, a number of salespeople. And I want to tell you what I saw. I saw somebody genuinely, you, genuinely engaged in helping people get better, get better with skills and tips. But more than that, I saw somebody that was authentic, that when you delivered your message, you did it with a heart that was um, honest and about uh, the encouragement of the people in front of you with the words that you carefully crafted to say to them that when they left, they were better off that day than they were before, and they could put things into practice that changed their life. So I want to thank you for being on this podcast and being a source of inspiration to uh, Sales Cultures uh, Redefined. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You have just listened to Sales Cultures Redefined. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and we'll see you at the next episode.